Here come the Capitals again. Ovechkin with a wrist shot. Stopped by Demig. Now it did not cross the goal line. Now he reached back with the paddle and pulled that puck out. Picked off by Cruz. In front. Oh, what a stop. Oh, goodness. The save of the night by Deming on Nordstrom. He catches Deming leaning one way, but that mitt comes out and snares it going the other. Doesn't get any better than that. Wow. It's another all-access edition of the Firestarter Podcast presented by Boston Pizza, and that means for the entire show here today, we're going to spend some time and get to know a member of your Calgary Flames just a bit better. So, without further ado, after spending the first part of his career with the Arizona Coyotes, Tampa Bay Lightning, New Jersey Devils, and Vancouver Canucks most recently, Louis Domingue has signed a one-year contract with the Flames and has very graciously joined us here today. Louis, welcome to Calgary. Welcome to the Firestarter Podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. So, I mean, we know things can get a bit crazy when free agency opens. Uh, there was no courting period this year. A glute of goalies hitting the market. Uh, you didn't have to wait too long. You signed about 24 hours after the window opened. Just take me through the process, how things played out for you, and why did Calgary make the most sense? Well, it was, uh, it was a pretty interesting uh, free agency for me, being my, uh, my first one and uh, having the pandemic uh, going on, having to wait from uh, July 1st to October 9th. Uh, it was, uh, you know, we were looking forward to it as a family and it was a bit disappointing that it took that long for, uh, for us to, to find a, a new home because this year was a bit of a rocky road, uh, especially for the family, uh, bouncing around. So, um, we were kind of excited for, uh, for us to settle down somewhere, but, um, uh, uh, very glad to be with the flames. I think, uh, from, from the. From when it opened, it was the team that showed the the most interest in me, and um, especially where they, they they saw me in the depth chart. I think it was uh, it was a no brainer to sign there. And uh, reuniting with uh, with Don uh, Maloney and uh, and um, Bradshaw leaving two people that brought me in the NHL in the first place. So um, it was uh, I think it weighted he- heavy in the balance. I would say. That's very cool. Yeah, it's funny how things kind of come full circle like that. I mean, did you have uh, the relationship that you had with those two guys in the Coyotes organization? Like you said, they brought you into the NHL. Uh, you know, when you got your start, were, were they a couple of guys that really showed a lot of belief in you early in your career? Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they really saw me uh, panning out. Really, well, maybe they did, maybe they didn't because they drafted me. But they, they also drafted a first-round pick that year. Uh, first round pick that that was a goalie, Mark Visentine. So I'm I'm sure they had more hopes in him than they had in me. I was just a fifth round pick, so uh, you hope that he pans out. But I, you know, I I was battling uh, against a first round pick, so it was uh, it was tough. But they sure uh, they sure uh, gave me a chance when I uh, when I when I got to Arizona. They uh, you know Mike Smith went down and and uh, they gave me minutes and. Um, and I, I couldn't be, uh, I couldn't ask for more. I mean, it's, uh, that's all you want as a young guy is to get a chance to, you know, dip your toe in the water. And then they, they gave me that. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I didn't, I didn't see it coming to, to come full circle like that and, and, uh, and uh, reunite with, uh, with these two guys because you just, it's not that you forget about it, but once you move on from an, an organization, you never really think about, going back especially that i mean it's not going back to the same organization but it sure it feels that way they're the one bringing you back right so it's uh 
uh, it was a bit of a surprise, but it was a great surprise. I mean, it's it's always good to work with people that uh, that you've worked in the past, especially people that that like the way you play, that like you as a person. So it's uh, uh, it's it, it was really important for me. I mean, I know your time in Vancouver too was was not that long, but you did get to know Jacob Markstrom, sure, on some level. I mean, for you, I know you guys are, you know, in a sense, your competitors, but you probably have a very good working relationship too. Did that factor in at all, or what are you looking forward to in working with him again? Well, that's another thing that weighted in the balance. It's working uh, uh, working with a with a guy that I like, a guy that everybody likes. So, uh, you know, Markstrom's a great guy. He's uh, you know he's a he's a great competitor and and obviously I, I came in to replace him because he was injured so we didn't spend that much time on the ice together but we we saw each other quite often around the rink and uh, and during the playoffs we saw each other all the time so it was uh, uh, it, you know it, we we built it off of that and and it's it's a uh, it's a plus to have you know you get uh, two guys that work work with each other in the past it's always a good thing and. Uh, Especially that we had a we have a we carry a good relationship and that's uh, that's huge because we you know he's the guy that I'm gonna work with uh, directly he's uh, in a way uh, you know he's my colleague he's, he's I'm gonna see him every day so it's important to to have to maintain a good relationship. I mean, you touched on what kind of a whirlwind that was, and of course, ending the season in Vancouver, where you know again he didn't see a ton of playing time, but he actually got quite famous for some of your off-ice talents, which we'll get to a little bit later. But again, just going back to the season as a whole, I mean, for you to come into the year and by, you know, almost a calendar year goes by, you'd wear four different jerseys, I think, by that point. What does that do for you? And how did your family kind of navigate what you described as kind of a rocky year? Yeah, I guess you can split that into two parts. Uh, the hockey part was uh, tough because on, on uh, July 1st, a year ago, um, I was working out, expecting uh, uh, to, to do good things after a great year with Tampa, and that was part of the plan. I signed two years, so I was kind of building off a, a case for me for free agency and try to see where, uh, what kind of value I can I can bring to my uh, uh, to my career by being uh, by being there and having a good year. And it, it kind of caught me by surprise to to move on from Tampa at a time where most teams having that free agency window interview window was uh was there in the past and it, it you know every every chair was taken when when uh when the grass was cut beneath my feet but um it was uh you know from that point on until I got traded there wasn't any injuries there wasn't any mis misperformance there wasn't any there was nothing nothing going on in the goalie world uh, world so it was uh, it was almost uh, impossible for me to get traded so Teams waited. Teams waited to see uh, if what they had in their hands was was good enough, was as good as they thought. And uh, and uh, it uh, you know it took a while. And I, I went from coaches to coach, like from the coaches in Tampa to the coaches in Syracuse to the coaches in Binghamton when I got traded to uh, the coaches in Jersey. Then they got fired. Then I got new coaches. And the GM got fired. I got a new GM. Then I got traded. Uh, I got a new coach, another G. So it was like, it was just having, it's almost like you get information from everywhere during right. the year and you, I didn't really have time to process anything. And, uh, you know, it's, it's no, uh, it's no excuse for the type of year I had, but it was certainly tough for, uh, for me hockey wise. 
and for the family, obviously it's, it's tough because, uh, you know, daddy wasn't home and we were going from places to places and, um, it's tough to find stability in that sense, but the, everybody battled hard and then it got us to where we are today and, uh, it can only make us stronger. I want to go back to 2018 and, you know, off the topic, and I mentioned all the places you've been, but that season in particular, you were at the Bolts and Andre Vasilevsky gets hurt, long-term injury, but you step in and you go on a run, winning, I believe it was 11 straight in 21 of your 26 games overall that year. Uh, you had some of the best numbers of your career in the process. I mean, you're only 28 years old. You've proved you can do it. So what did that run do for your confidence and where do you think your game's at now in terms of looking to the future and nailing down a starting job in this league? Well, it was huge. It was uh, it was a great year. I mean, it's uh, one of those where everything's working for you. Um, I got ice time. I got uh, you know we got to win uh, quite often. I think we won 62 that year. So um, it was a very positive year, except that maybe the end where um, you know we lost four games in a row and and uh, cost us a season. But uh, other than that, we had such a good time. We bonded together. You know, the team. The team was awesome, so that was uh, was good for. And every time you go through that, it's always um, it's always a plus for uh, for the players individually. When you have success as a team, everybody has success individually. You know, I can't pinpoint a guy that didn't have success that year because it's just sure uh, it just works that way, right? We all push each other, we all carry each other, and we 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 take another notch. You know what I mean? So it was. Um, it was great for me, and, and I was expecting big things, even bigger things than I thought when I came when I was to come back the next year. And um, you know, it it didn't pan out that way, but um, it's still there. It's a year away, and I think especially with the with the pandemic going on, we we kind of all start at, at at a at an even level. Sure, it's like we, a all, reset. we all had that break. Yeah, we all had that long break. So it's it's just going to be a matter of. Uh, uh, who um, who uh, who's going to use that time to benefit themselves the most? And uh, and for my and for and for me, I have I have a great setup here at home. I have my my gym, uh, full gym in the basement that I had even before the pandemic. My my trainer who uh, is going he was going through his. Uh, stuff on his own and he uh he now lives in my basement so he's every time i need a workout i just go down and puts me through a workout he's, he's it's really good we have we have uh synthetic eyes in there to, so everything's nice everything's at home i get to stay at home see my kids so uh they focus on uh, on getting better and uh getting better as a hockey player getting better as a as a father that's pretty cool. Yeah, not not a bad setup at all. You know, it's interesting because, you know, typically in your season, you would look at, you know exactly when you're going to be starting and when you need to start ramping things up in terms of your off-ice training, I assume. Uh, this season, obviously, a little bit different. We have kind of a vague idea of when it's going to get rolling, but no firm dates yet. Has that impacted your off-season training at all? Like, have you had a schedule where you start ramping things up or kind of pulling things back? Or how have you kind of approached that side of it? Well, you know, from what I learned from uh, from the, the the process of coming back to the playoffs is that uh, uh, there's always going to be rumors. There's always going to be the the who's and ha's and the, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I stopped listening to that. I I mean, my my guess is as good as yours, and it's as good as uh, whoever's watching. You know, following hockey uh, that works at Hotco or what or whatnot. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh, it's. Uh, 
I, I have a feeling that when we're going to know, we're going to have a short amount of time to get there and get going. You know what I mean? So I'm, uh, I'm just preparing. I set myself uh, um, for like a January 1st date. And don't quote me on that. This is just how I'm planning my, my build up in my workouts. And, and, um, that, and until I, I get noticed otherwise, I'm, I'm going to stick to that plan. And, and if it takes longer, it takes less time. We can always adjust. I mean, um, I think we're, I think we're going to have time to get prepared. Are you almost surprised? And I'm not saying I necessarily was, but you know, speaking of turning things around quickly and getting back into game shape, how quickly guys were able to get back up to speed? Because as soon as the playoffs started back in, well, we saw the exhibition games at the end of July, but August, you know, the, the competition was excellent. The hockey was really good. Does that just kind of speak to the kind of athletes that you guys are? I think it's absolutely crazy that we played hockey in the summer and it, and it was as good as it was, right? Like to me, it was, uh, it was shocking. I didn't expect it at all, but um, I also didn't expect to play in July. So I don't know. It goes hand in hand. I, I think players, I think you see the competitive level that we carry in our blood and it's just, it's, it's almost like it's always just waiting to be boiling. You know what I mean? Or it's just, it's just about the, to explode so we're always we're always just ready to go it doesn't matter what we like i know for me i'm gonna play a, a you know a game of cards here at home on a saturday night of a, of a warm july night and i'm gonna be going i'm gonna be trying to put that that uh that that person sitting across from me in a coffin you know what i mean i, I want to I want to win so bad at everything I do. So you just, it doesn't matter what we do as hockey players. I think we all have that competitive level. Uh, it's just to another level than, than normal people, I guess. All right, Louis, uh, switching gears here. Uh, I have to ask you about the bubble because thanks to some of the behind the scenes video produced by the NHL, uh, we got to see you in your element, baking up a storm in the JW Marriott kitchen. You know, first off, uh, I think everyone was wondering what the players would be doing with all their downtime. But this was definitely one of the most unique hobbies that I saw. Uh, very cool. How long have you been into baking? Um, I, I guess it's a family thing. We uh, we have no professional in the in the, um, the cooking industry in our family, um, but we we do have a very very foodie family. So every time we have gathering, uh, it's it's uh, it's just a, a, a crazy scene of food, you know what I mean. So it's just everybody brings something, or or Christmas dinners, or or, or they they last for like five hours. We we can be sitting down forever, just having courses and courses and courses. And it's uh, um, so it's always been there. I've I've been making uh, pie dough since I'm since I can remember and. Uh, my grandma lived a couple a couple houses down and uh, from from where I grew up and um, I would be uh, going over and she had the biggest garden and we'd be picking up vegetables and and uh, raspberries or anything in that from from out back and bringing it inside and uh, whipping something together with what we brought and uh, uh, or I would be walking into my grandma's house and there'd be a fresh pa pasta hanging from it any edges of the house that you can possibly possibly think of like uh, staircase railings uh, doorknobs <laughs> anything you can think of there's just pasta you know it's just I grew up around food and uh, and I, I certainly carried that into my uh, into my life and uh, during the pandemic uh, when we were all stopped I 
Uh, I would wake up early in the morning just because it was the only quiet time and, and I would bake whatever, just pies and, and all, all sorts of stuff just uh, just so, because I like it, it was kind of uh, relaxing for me and, and my friends, my friends had a, they had a baby and um, and I guess their parents couldn't even see the baby because of the pandemic. So the, uh, I know from having two myself that it was so hard to, uh, it's that it, that you need as much help as you can when you have ba- when you have uh, your first baby, especially. And uh, I knew that they didn't have much, so I, I started cooking for them and sending them uh, stuff to their house and uh, making pies and, and food for, for them, so they would have a little more time on their hands. And um, and so I, I when I got to uh, to the bubble and I got so much time in, on my hand, I was. Uh, uh i was looking at her, her suite and we had that big big kitchen and i said well we don't have dessert after game and, and guys are going through uh, a war out there so i wanted to reward them and i made cookies and then we won that game and uh the next game uh, i had to make something so i made banana bread and we won that game again so then at that point we had to move because we uh we uh, won our series against the blues and we went to the jw maria and um and when I went there, I, I wrote as a joke that we, they better give me a kitchen so I so I can keep that streak going. And um, they reply, they were waiting for me over there with open arms, and they gave me an, a big space in the in the in the the kitchen over there, and, um, in the main kitchen. And I uh, I started uh, making apple pie. And we didn't win that game, but at that point the ball was rolling. Once you start, <laughs> once you get the ball rolling, especially with social media, you get demands not only from uh, the fans, but we I got demands from our team and even other teams. So <laughs> uh, I didn't end up cooking for other teams, but I did. Uh, I did make a pecan, a maple pecan pie. I made an apple pie. I made, and I at one point I just stopped because I. I was in the lineup. It's actually a great segue. The timing of this interview couldn't be any better because a few days ago you announced that a passion of yours, Bakery Project, is back and better than ever. Uh, you know, tell us what that's all about and who the initiative supports. So basically, like we're we're cooking for. Uh, it's going to be the second edition already this Friday the thirtieth. Um, first, the first edition, I it was kind of a, te- a tester. I was seeing how. Uh, trying to trying to see how we can do it and and try to raise as much money as we can. I found a, a bakery, a, a guy that I went to high school with here in the, in Quebec. At a, uh, he has a, a very successful bakery in Montreal, and I I kind of I went to him and I used him as a as a selling point, and uh, <laughs> I decided to give that to charity. I, there's a charity here with uh, uh, some people I know, some. Uh, uh, public figures here in Montreal that uh, have a, a foundation that they are, they are, they're building like a community for, uh, uh, for autistic people that are um, over the age of 18, I believe, 18 or 21. I'm not sure, but uh, we made 40 apple pies. Um, we made 90. Um, it's, it was a, a, a raisin ginger roll. Um, and, uh, and then we made uh, apple turnovers, something like another 90 apple turnovers. And we sold most of it. I, I'd say there's a little bit of rolls left, but uh, most of it uh, sold. And we, uh, we made uh, about a thousand bucks after uh, expenses. But um, it, it, sparked, uh, it sparked me in doing a second edition. And, uh, and I took two weeks to, 
restructure and then and we're going uh, uh tomorrow the 30th uh, i'm going there uh baker's baker's hour so i wake <laughs> up at 3 a.m get there and uh cook so i make everything right like we uh i get some help obviously over there because uh, especially this week we're making like numbers that are crazy something like a uh, hundred pies and um 120 um we call them sidewalks if if i go uh, translation word for word in, in french um it's kind of a square a raspberry square if you would um and uh and we're making 120 of them and we opened the online sales and they went crazy and in in a day we we were pretty much sold out in what we could sell because we still want to sell uh because the goal is to meet people it's for me to be there um have people come into the bakery and i still meet people right so i'm uh um i'm trying to i'm trying to uh, i'm trying to keep a little bit of uh stuff available for 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 people that are walking in and, uh, and your regular customers but uh we're already way above what we expected to sell and uh, it's gonna be a, a great second edition i think we can triple our money uh easily so um there's that <laughs> that's awesome. LouisDomingue.com, uh, more info, uh, supporting a great cause. So that's that's really cool stuff. Now, not to stir up any controversy or rehash any painful memories, but you took a ton of heat for using basil in your cookie recipe. And I'm here to defend that decision because I'm kind of of the belief that you grew up in one of two households, margarine or butter. I was a margarine family. And, you know, I freely admit that I have a giant tub of basil in my fridge upstairs right now. Uh, so I'm with you on that. I just want to make sure we get our working relationship off on the right foot. Um, oh, listen, um, I, it's not like I have like a preference or anything. It's just that, <laughs> that's, that very, uh, that very one recipe that I use uses, uh, margarine because it's, uh, it's always, it's always at the right temperature. You don't have to let it sit on the counter for, you know, you need to make cookies. Now the butter is ready, right? Or sure. you don't have to have it tempered on the counter. It's always ready. So. Uh, that's that's kind of the only reason why I used it, and I, and a lot of people were were uh, were were complaining online because I used very that, passionate. It was, <laughs> it was very just because the recipe said to use it, and and I decided to. But if I could pick, I would probably use butter if I was to make cookies because it's just it does make a better product. But it does. I'm with you though. It's the it's the hassle, and that uh, you're you're you said baker's hours that you're getting up tomorrow, so you don't need to get up even earlier to get the butter to the right temperature. Um, exactly. Are are you purely a baker, or you know you said you were growing up learning from your your mom and your grandmom? Um, did you learn to cook all sorts of things, or no? I think that's what I I I got known to do, but I it's not like I wasn't gonna bake. Uh, I wasn't going to cook steaks for, for all the players, right? And the bubble that sure. I was going to, you know, they already had steaks. So I, I did uh, desserts and, and uh, ended up uh, ended up liking doing it. So I, uh, I guess uh, I'm, I'm working on my craft as a baker, but I think I, uh, I'm pretty, pretty creative in terms of uh, the food that I do and, and I try to uh, innovate what, I bring to the table every night kind of thing, if you would. Great stuff, Louie. Thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, the apple pie, among other things, looks absolutely incredible, so I might have to bust out the pans and give that a try for the holidays. 
uh, or any day Definitely. of the week, I guess. <laughs> so thanks again for that. Uh, hopefully we can uh, get a chance to link up in person here soon. Uh, cool stuff. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Firestarter Podcast presented by Boston Pizza. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.